DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by former BYU wide receiver Dylan Cauley. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain has given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. So, Dylan, this may shock you, but Kalani getting asked about his interest in other schools and saying, I'm just getting ready for Georgia Southern, made a lot of people sit up straight and go, hmm. <laughs> when you heard that, what did you think? Part of the game or it meant something about his potential interest in USC and Washington jobs? Um... I think I think a little bit of both, right? Uh, in the world of coaching, it is a uh, no matter how much, right? And I know from very personal experience, right? There is no one who loves BYU football more and the BYU school more than Kalani, right? Um, also in this day and age, much like if Kalani were to spend the next two years going, you know, or even three years going three and, you know, nine, three and 12, chances are he would be fired. No matter the love that he has for BYU, no matter the love that Tom and the athletic administration has for Kalani. And so to sit here and say that, you know, there is no chance that he's thinking about taking those jobs or considering those jobs, uh, I think would be naive. Um, I do genuinely believe that he is able to focus in on the next few games, uh, you know, probably with a sense of confidence that he could get those jobs pretty easily. Um, and so, you know, there is a lot of uh, thought that goes into that. And, you know, that's why I think I'm glad I'm not in that situation. <laughs> What's it mean to be a player's coach? Because that's what he's been described as. Yeah, uh, I think it goes back to the conversation that we were having prior to the UBA week. Um, when you think about someone who genuinely cares for the true joy and happiness for his players uh, before he's thinking of himself on a regular basis, right? Uh, that's something that I think is a key feature of uh, a, a player's coach. Um, and someone, you know, you can tell if someone's a, a true player's coach by the, like, the excitement, the joy, right, that they have in being a part of their team. Um, whether that's on the field, off the field, right, when you're a true player's coach, they are your first priority, and you make that you know, very clear, most importantly to them. doesn't matter what the outside world thinks, but when you have that actual love for your players, um, you know, they're, they're like your kids, and, and you show that love in, in any way a parent would. As a player, how critical are the coordinators and the position coaches, and how much do you think well, the way they are compensated 
A, keeps them in place. B, keeps players in place in the transfer era. As much as we talk about coaching salaries, and I'm looking at them divvied up by conferences right now, what isn't nearly as publicized is the recruiting pool at each school, but that determines how much the coordinators and assistants are getting paid. How important are they to the players' college football experience and keeping guys from transferring, quite frankly? Unless unless the head coach is, we're talking, extremely involved in the lives of the players, right? For instance, Norm, Norm Chow, who I grew up like idolizing and wanting to play for, playing for him was a much more of an, uh, a business relationship interaction. Right, you came into meetings. There wasn't a ton of actual personal interaction with Norm, um, unless he knew you, unless you had developed a level of trust with him. Right, it wasn't like he just walked in and he trusted everybody, and everybody trusted him. He was very uh, secure in the way that you know. Hey, if I trust you and I love you, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. If I don't trust you. And I don't believe that you're benefiting our program. I really, you know, I, I'm going to be standoffish. If you need me, I'll help you. But I'm not going to just come to you, right, in a very business mentality. Um, at that moment, for those players that didn't have that type of relationship, the coordinators and the position coaches are critical, critical to people's people. Um, when you have someone like Kalani, who is much more personable and, and much more, you know, involved in the individual lives of his players, you know, you can look at it as like 70% on the position coaches and the coordinators with a 30% on, Hey, if someone says they're going to leave, right. Kalani has about a 30% chance of keeping them, especially if the coordinators and the position coaches don't have the greatest relationship with those individual players because you are with your position coach every single day, all day, even more so than the offensive coordinator, right? You are with them all day at practice. You are with them all day during meetings. And so that relationship, if that relationship isn't working, then it can cause a lot of tension uh, for the player and, and the receiver's coach. I guess in my scenario, the receiver's coach. So you've known a lot of people who've played college football, various programs, and any friends of yours or whatnot as you've come, as you've talked with them, did you ever think, uh, hey, I wish we had that, whatever that is at BYU? I think because of the year that I was there, it was such a, one, I was coming from a situation where we didn't have anything, mm-hmm. right? Have the, you know, the locker room, the swag, right, the travel amenities. We didn't have any of that. And so when I came to BYU, it was like I was just grateful for all of the resources, like the fact that we got food, you know, uh, on the plane and the fact that we weren't sitting next to the general public was like this is awe-inspiring, right, the fact that we chartered a plane. Uh, instead of having to go through TSA and sit next to people who were, you know, excited for fall break in Hawaii. Um, you know, like it was, like it was while, while I was there. 
Um, but when you look at the actual culture that, that comes with that, you know, there are very few things in today's BYU football program that are missing from the other top-tier programs. For instance, BYU has soap in the showers, and at times, Hawaii didn't. Correct. Exactly. You brought your own soap. Let that sink in. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think being a player's coach can have any negative effect on what you're trying to accomplish? Absolutely. It it definitely can get in the way of the end goal, especially when it comes to winning ballgames. If you're too focused on pleasing the players and what they want and making their environment enjoyable and right, you can very quickly get away from the success and the focus on winning ballgames. Once you find that balance, and I think in the last two to three years, Kalani has found the balance of being a player's coach and turning that focus to winning games, um, that is a very, very tough, tough combination to, uh, to master, and it's a very tough combination to beat when you have that type of environment. Uh, and so, you know, if you're just on the, hey, let's have fun, let's please the players, right, uh, let's make sure that they're happy and they're satisfied, and we hope that's what brings the wins, then you're going to find yourself in a very fun, you know, exciting three and ten program yeah. year in and year out. <laughs> that was good, right up until the end. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and that's what, and and that's 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 where we were at at Hawaii. Uh, I think my junior year we went seven and seven, and um, or my sophomore year we went seven and seven. I think my junior year we maybe won four or five games. Right, and it was it was fun, like it was a cool environment to be in. But when you go to Michigan, you go to even Boise State, and you're losing by 45 points, um, it's a it's a tough reality check. So, as a uh, as a former Cougar and viewing this with maybe a little insight, but not as much as you would prefer to answer this next question definitively, if BYU and Washington can, or BYU, if USC and Washington come calling and you know how big their checkbooks are and the kind of money they might throw throw around, how strong do you think BYU will come? Not to match dollar for dollar because that seems like that wouldn't happen, but to make sure that everybody knows I'm valued. I got a really good situation, and the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence, even if the green money is piled much higher. There, there are two, two very critical aspects to this, and I know a lot of people say these things, but this is, when, when Kalani says this, it is 100% true, and it's affected a lot of his decisions. Um, the money is one aspect of it. From the outside looking in, you have a two programs that can offer a ton, a ton of money. If BYU can come close and, you know, I think within a million dollars a year, right? If they can come within a million dollars a year of what a USC or a Washington offers, 
and Kalani's wife is the green light to stay or go, it doesn't matter really what that money what that money says. If Sister Shiitake says we're staying, they're staying. If Sister Shiitake says, "Hey, this feels right. We're going." They're going. Um, and so, you know, if BYU comes close and they have that support from her, then now, you know, they're going to stay. The money will continue to roll in however it does, right? Uh, but that that aspect of it is is huge to, to Kalani and their family. When you look at what he's done or what happened earlier to what's going on now, obviously it's substantially better now than it was earlier. What do you think some of the differences are? The balance. The balance of understanding the focus that he's putting on the player's wants and needs and how to actually translate that into wins, along with enabling the right people on the staff to make certain decisions that have affected the success on both sides of the ball. Um, from coordinators to position coaches, the, the enablement and kind of the uh, green light, right. To do as they, to do as they wish and to trust them uh, has been, has been huge. So if you just cut right to the chase, is he going or is he staying? What do you think? I, uh, as as a outside, as very much of an outsider to this situation, um, I think it would be very, very hard to turn down a USC. I think the Washington situation, the Washington environment, the Washington culture is in a very, very you know, deep, dark place uh, ever since Coach Pete left. I think USC is a place that can be flipped around. Um, you can already tell by the, the coaches that are there currently, right, that stuck around after Coach Elton left. Um, I, 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 it would be very, very hard to say no to, to a USC opportunity. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. Dylan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Of course, as always. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. There's Dylan Collin. Of course, the irony of what everything he says is that BYU will be playing USC in the Coliseum Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, I mean, you want a definition of irony? That is it. Look it up. BYU versus SC in the Coliseum on a Saturday night. How about that? Dylan says, come within a million bucks. What number would that be? I'll tell you next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're also giving away Jazz Sixer tickets to see the game tonight, 8 o'clock for TNT. Two tickets next. Tickets every half hour at half pa- Tickets every hour at half past the hour. 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, all day long right here on The Zone Sports Network. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a much-needed bye week, Kalani Sitaki and the Cougars begin a two-game stretch to end the regular season on the road as they square off against the Eagles of Georgia Southern. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7 with a postgame show immediately following the game. 
From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up. They got the $59 furnace tune-up special going right now, or you can visit them online at leesheatac.com. All right, catch you up to date on what we've been talking about today. BYU fans, how concerned are you that Kalani might leave for another job? We've got that. We've also got the Jazz Sixer game tonight. It's late tonight, 8 o'clock tip time. Pre-game starts at 7 here on The Zone. It's 8 o'clock for TNT. We have a couple tickets to give away right now. We gave away tickets at 7.30, tickets at 8.30. We got two tickets right now at 9.30. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Be caller 12. 855-340-ZONE. More tickets to give away at 10.30, and we'll continue uh, every hour on the half hour. 10.30, 11.30, 12.30, all day long right here on The Zone Sports Network. All right, PK, the question of the morning, Kalani, what's he going to do? What needs to be done to keep him here? Uh, We just had Dylan Cauley on saying, man, USC would be hard to turn down. Dylan actually doesn't think Washington would be that hard to turn down. He thinks Washington is, I believe the phrase he used, is in a dark place in that football program, and there would be some heavy lifting there. But he thinks USC can be turned around uh, pretty quickly. Does that make sense to you? One of these jobs way more valuable than the other? Yes, I think that Washington, or uh, SC definitely is more valuable. I think that Washington's job has got more difficult with the advent of the cash of Phil Knight. Because if we go back when Oregon sucked, Washington was a behemoth. I still think they have the be- ability to be a behemoth, but it is hard to do. And they're like any fan base, you know, they get apathetic when you stink. Oh, yeah. Did you see the pictures of the crowd this week? Mm-hmm. I used yeah, the term crowd yeah. loosely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I yeah. don't think I've seen Husky Stadium that empty very often. Even when they went 0-12, and BYU was up there early in the year before they know how bad they were. Maybe later in the year it really was bad. What was that, 2007 or 2008? Oh, I was there when they went 0-12. I was at that game. Was it 0-8, uh, 2008? Yeah, so it was a uh, while but ago. But it was a fine crowd. Yeah. A beautiful stadium on the water there. We've all seen that, and they remodeled it and all. Uh but, uh, you know, I think that uh, money talks. It really does. And if they're going to throw an outrageous amount of money at the program, and I emphasize at the program, not just at the individual, but at the program, then that might be something there. Because I don't think that it's it's not super heavy lifting. Uh, but if it were easy, multiple coaches would have done it. Clay Helton didn't do it. Steve Sarkeesian didn't do it. Lane Kiffin didn't do it. It's been a decade, and SC's sitting on one conference title. And for a lot of schools, a conference title in a decade is a perfectly fine decade. You know, Utah doesn't have one in a decade. One in a decade would be—but at SC, SC thinks they ought to be winning half the titles. You, you worked in that newsroom down in the South Bay, and, man, if they weren't winning the conference title, they were unhappy. And some years, even when they did win it, they were furious in the middle of the year because it looked like they might not. I believe some places you just need a grinder, right? Salt Lake City, Kyle Whittingham. He's worked himself into a a media personality, you know, joking with me and my fly and all that. I mean, he he can get away with that now. 
But in the beginning, not so much. And you needed a grinder, somebody who was going to go to work. And he went to work and built a very good program. I think at SC, they, they don't need grinders. They need sizzle and sexiness and name recognition. Because there's so much talent there. They need charisma at the top. And there's so much talent in the area that they've got to have somebody who can woo you to make sure that, no, you don't need to go across the country to play college football. You can come right here in your own backyard, so to speak, and your family and friends can see you, and the media is going to just gravitate towards covering. And so SC football can be what it was under Pete Carroll and Norm Chow and all those, uh, you know, the highlight players that they had and all that stuff. And I think it's important to have somebody with all sorts of sizzle there. And normally that goes against what I'm about because I love the grinders because that's what I view myself as, showing up to work every day. And and some days you, you're better than others and, and you, you find a way to get the big story and you, and you write it or you talk about it and all and you work yourself up, like Kyle did, into a household name. But it seems like SC needs that household name at the start so it can get what it wants. Yes, that's called winning the press conference. And there are plenty of people who will tell you, stop trying to win the com- press conference. It just gets in the way. It doesn't matter. It's a hollow victory. It doesn't last very long. Just skip that. But there are places that absolutely try to do that. I think SC needs that. It needs to have the sizzle right off the bat. You can't get that from winning a big game in September? And they schedule big games in September. SC schedules really as ambitiously as anyone. I mean, they got their nine conference games in Notre Dame. That's ten. And their other two games, they tend to play a Mountain West team and a big intersectional opponent. They've had series with Ohio State, series with Texas. They'll go out and get the biggest brand names. Whether they hit them in the right year or not, it's a different deal, but... I just think you need somebody who's charismatic. You've got to provide the reasons for those talented players that are there in abundance to stay home. Yes. And they haven't been doing that. No, you look at Chip Kelly, man. I don't know that he's that type of guy. He seems a little on the cranky side and and you know, he doesn't warm up to the media. He does what he has to, but it doesn't seem like there's been any progress there. You know, tell a joke. No. <laughs> Chip Kelly. Yeah, do. I will at best keep this neutral look on my face. Right. And see, the great thing about uh, Kyle getting after me is, I mean, that, that was filmed. That was played. That shows a human side. Find, find an angle and find your niche. But the and thing then is, run sports, with it. and I agree completely. If anything, I believe that more deeply than you do. But sports is going the other way. Any chance you get to cut out those moments to make it as antiseptic as possible, to make it as impersonal as possible, it makes all the sports transactional. You end up with coaches chasing the money and fans booing and throwing things and saying horrible things and getting kicked out of arenas because they want their team to win and they're going to hold them accountable. Oh, man, coaches are getting fired in the middle of their second season. Everybody, they, like the level of accountability, if anything, it's too high. But that's where we're going. This just transactional relationship, no interaction, no relationships. If you can cut them off, it doesn't matter if it's with the media, with fan bases, minimize, minimize, minimize. That's where everything's trending. 
But I think you have to look at what works for you. And the great thing about what works for Utah is, like, we're a high school program on a national level. We're a bunch of buddies here. We're family. I know your mom. I know your mom's sister. And you come here and... We are. We're just like the high school team here. We're the neighborhood team. We're the throwback. They don't even have that in high school anymore. With kids <laughs> the neighborhood all team. over the place. You know what I mean? The quarterback the quarter- from Phoenix is about to win a state championship in yeah, Utah. Yeah, it, precisely. Yes. It, yeah, and come in here and play for a year and be on your way. I understand that's naive, but Kyle has built that type of reputation, and I think parents love that. And come here. You're gonna. You're. They can't rely on Utah talent to be a, a big time program. There's not enough of it available because some of it's going to leave, and you know it's important to get it. But your point is, you've got to get outside. You've got to get out of state talent too. So come here, man, and that, you will be one big happy family. And and you you need something. You want to major in broadcasting. Oh, man, I got all these guys there. I can call them up. They'll take care of you. You know, I was at the at the state wards for the sport thing, and I got Tyler Hundley coming up to me. I assume it was his, uh, his girlfriend or his date for the night, and she's asking me about getting into television. Small Lake you know, City, baby. Everybody's got relationships. It's personal. Yep. And he's built that, and that was a phenomenal thing to do. Find your niche. Excuse me. What works for you? And that works for Utah. His wife, they moved. He he used to live out my way. I'm going to give you a little insight there. Well, now he's moved. He told me it's at 7.7 miles from the stadium, man. So his wife can get up there in a matter of seconds. And the family's involved. We see him at the press conferences, right? And the extended family. And the family is out there on the games all the time. I see Carrie on the sidelines on Saturday, right? And after the game, I'm on the field. And Kyle comes up talking to me. And he's holding hands with his wife. It's it's a natural genius thing to do, and and I think that that works here, and I think for SC, it's about sizzle, sexiness, Hollywood glamour. It shouldn't be that way, and it goes against everything that I stand for. But yet, I think it's extremely important for that particular program. That is mostly what we've been talking about this morning. There have been a few other stories we've hit on. We've been giving away tickets to see the Jazz and the Sixers. And we keep saying this, broken record time, and yet we have to say it again. They ought to snap out of it. They've lost four of their last five, but Philly's coming in in worse shape. They've lost four in a row. Obviously, they don't have Ben Simmons because of all the drama there. Joel Embiid has been out now over a week. Uh COVID-related stuff, so no telling when he'll be back. So this is a shorthanded team on the road at elevation. The Jazz, in Donovan Mitchell's own words, were embarrassed after the last game when they trailed Miami by 26 points after three quarters. This ought to be a bounce-back win on TNT tonight, you would think. Oh, yeah, man. Come on. Gosh, get, get it. Just get it. I know, but we've said that before. I've said that before, and it hasn't okay. happened. All right, I got but it. But it really ought to happen now. This bec- doesn't mean that it will, but see, <laughs> saying that it must be is fine. And you can float that. That doesn't have to be singular in an isolated example. In fact, actually, more losing creates a more sense of urgency in making that statement. 
back to Mike Conley's comments after the game on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, well, it was a Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday afternoon, Saturday. yeah. Uh, the NBA games last night, the Lakers lose again. The Bulls beat them 121-103. to The Mavericks take down the Nuggets. Uh, I'm impressed with what Denver has done, but they are just so shorthanded now, PK. When Jokic sits down, they're just not that good. Well, then don't sit down. <laughs> 48 minutes. Have you ever heard of Wilt? Let me tell you about the year he played 40 and a half, 48 and a half minutes per night. He wasn't the only one. It was a different era. It is. They I mean, they just get healthy. Yeah. Get healthy. Everybody needs to be healthy. Dallas won. Fact. Dallas is third in the West. When Locke comes on, we can ask him about that because he's not a well, big fan I of Well, I mean, Dallas. if poor Zingles plays like he did last night, they're going to be very good. 29-11 and 11 for Chris Stapps, yeah. Porzingis. Big numbers. But Luka did right. hobble off. So that's not good. Yeah, he's a hobbler. He'll be back. But how quickly. Do you like the Timberwolves getting fined a quarter of a million bucks because the team had dinner and workouts at the home of Alex Rodriguez? They worked out at his home? See one of those guys? He's got a gym. Mike Conley's got a half court. A-Rod's got a full court. Got that no, Yankee got money. A, he's got a hoop in the driveway. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be. Wasn't it? Uh, it was T.O. It was Terrell Owens who did crunches in his driveway at a press conference. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be awesome. A-Rod's got a full court out in front in the hoop in the driveway. Uh, they got, to me, they're trying to win. I mean, that seems so stilly. Yeah. That were guys forced to go? You want to go? I want to see A-Rod. I want to see what A-Rod's got cooking down there in Miami. Well, he got? especially at the time, was he with J-Lo? Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? If he's with J-Lo, then you absolutely have to go. That's just too much star power to say. J-Lo no has the most beautiful skin of anyone ever created. <laughs> Jeez. She does. I don't even know how you say that. <laughs> what do you mean, how do I say that? Have you seen her skin? Uh, not in person. I need to see it in person. You, People you have know. said that. It's not just me. I've oh, heard really? that. Okay. Yeah. I trust you on the celebrity news. You're Something about her yeah. complexion, her skin. It's, oh, okay. it's just, apparently, it's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. College hoops tonight, exact same time as the Jazz tip-off, because the Jazz are tipping off late tonight, 8 o'clock on TNT. Uh, same time, BYU and Oregon, the Phil Knight Invitational at the Moda Center in Portland. 8 o'clock on ESPN, both teams off to 2-0 starts. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that uh, you could be labeled as a non-conference game as uh, just a huge statement game. But I absolutely believe... This one is one of the more glamorous ones, and it's a great measuring stick to see where the Cougars are. No doubt about it. I don't know that they win, but it doesn't matter. The fact that you're willing to play this game and you want to play this game, see what you got up up your level. To, to me, their schedule so far, this is only their third game, obviously, but it's been nice, nicer, now nicest. <laughs> nice, nicer, nicest. I get that. Yeah. Cleveland State, San Diego State, Oregon. Nice, nicer, nicest. Yeah, and also both of the prior two games are at home. Yeah. You know, I may think otherwise if you went down to San Diego, but you didn't. And that's been a great series back and forth. I hope they continue it uh, because it's a great draw for both programs, and both programs are pretty good. Uh, But now you're going up to Oregon there, and you got an opportunity to play this team. I I, I wish it uh, was not at the literal exact same time. 
And yet it is. Yeah, I'll fire up the computer and have it. Because it's ESPN, isn't it? Uh, It's ESPN for the BYU-Oregon game. It's TNT for the Jazz and Sixers Right, that's what I meant. I meant for the college game is what we're talking about. So I'll fire that up so I will have both going on sitting there in my lazy boy as I watch these games tonight. I thought the Rams were Super Bowl contenders until their last two games. They got mauled by the Niners, 31-10. to 10. The Niners just ran it, ran it, and ran it some more. Yeah, ran I mean, it right it's at a them. surprise, no question. But you can't say that they're not. They're, 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 they're just pick up two high-profile guys. Give them time. I, I mean, the Cardinals were 7-7 seven and seven the year they came within a foot of winning the Super Bowl. Seven so. games to go to get their act in order. Plenty of time here. To, and I think they'll... I think they'll be a tough out. I still, and I was surprised. No doubt, I was surprised by that game. Uh, but I think that uh, they've they've got a lot of talent on that team. Well, whatever their issues, there's time to turn it around. You look at uh, you look at Kansas City and the bad start that they got off to, and now they've won three in a row, four out of five, and they have taken over the top spot in their division. So. One month can be bad, and the next month can be completely different. Yeah, when I was down and uh, flew out of Phoenix and drove down to Tucson on the way back, man, the airport in Phoenix was packed with a bunch of people with Kansas City paraphernalia. They obviously had stopovers on the way to Vegas because the Chiefs played in uh, Vegas on Sunday night, right? Yep. Blew out yeah. the Raiders. So they, they, had, uh, they must have had good representation because I saw a lot of people wearing Kansas City gear. All right, when we come back, your feedback, PK, someone has gone after you on Twitter. Can you believe it? But they didn't think it all the way through, because if they had, they wouldn't have tweeted what they tweeted. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback. PK, we were talking about Kalani earlier this morning and what he may or may not do and what could or could not factor into the decision. And someone brought up Lavelle as an example, and uh, you said, come on, that's a different era. And BYU Foam Finger, who clearly thinks you're a Ute. PK says, come on to the Lavelle example, but what about his other coaching mentor, Mr. Whittingham, who hasn't left for a quote-unquote bigger job? Well, doesn't that because just play right into your point? Money. Yes, thank you. It plays right <laughs> into your point. Have you seen the list of the highest paid Pac-12 coaches? Stanford, David Shaw, $8.9 million, number one. Chip Kelly, number two, at $5.6 million. Kyle Whittingham, number three, at $5.2 million. We've talked about this all morning. If Tom Homo called the show, which, by the way, this would be awesome if this had happened. Sadly, it didn't. If Tom Homo had called the show at 7.30 when we were uh, really starting to roll on this topic and said, hey, we're giving him $5.2 million. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> we would have talked about the Jazz and the Sixers all morning long. Obviously. Well, if they do give him that kind of cash, he isn't going anywhere. Right? Brother. <laughs> I know. But, US- but, I mean, they're fans, and they look at it with their hearts. That's Bless true. them. So, I, USC, I understand it. USC was, playing, was paying Clay Helton $4.8 million. So, it's not hard to believe that they're going to come in with a 5 or $6 million offer for whoever they choose. And if that person says no, it's not hard to believe that they will offer 5 or $6 million to the next person. I think so, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. No question about that. Well, that's a heck of a neighborhood. 
And I don't think BYU is going to pay in that neighborhood. Honestly, I'm shocked Utah's paying in that neighborhood. I can remember when Kyle went over $3 million, I thought, I can't believe Utah's paying this kind of money. But that's the price of poker. That's, that's where college football is. And you keep up, or most of the best people go get those big salaries, and you pay a lesser salary, and you get who you get. And you keep them until they start winning, because then somebody else comes and says, how about five or six million bucks? Yeah. It's not going to work any other way. A&M is so desperate to keep up in the SEC, they're paying $9 million. And nobody thinks anybody on this side of the country is going there. I don't think USC is going to pay $9 million. Uh, not so soon. You know, maybe 30, 40, 50 years from now. Oh, well, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, come on. Lavelle wouldn't believe that Kyle and Kalani are making what they're making now. That nobody was going to pay that. But, yeah, he joked with us on the air about doing the post-game call-in show because they gave him 75 bucks. <laughs> uh, in case you're wondering, the top neighborhoods in the Big 12, Oklahoma, who's obviously leaving, is paying Lincoln Riley uh, just under $8 million per year, 7.8. Gary Patterson, who just got let go, was at 6.1. Sarkeesian to Texas is at 5.4, so they're paying a half million more than Clay Heldon was getting. Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, who may well win the league and has been there a long time and has won 10 games. He's had a lot of 9 and 10 win seasons there. He's at $4.3 million. Yeah, I think he got a reduction of a million dollars because he wore some T-shirt or mm-hmm. something. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who's lifted that program up big time, he's at $4 million. So that's the top half of the Big 12. You've got to be at $4 million or better to be in the top half of the Big 12. And if you want your team to be in the top half of the Big 12, shouldn't you be paying your coach in the top half of the Big 12? Here I go using logic, PK. Where's that going to get me? Uh, it's not always a direct straight line, but there's a lot of stuff that go into it. And I'd be interested in seeing what the assistants make, too, mm-hmm. because I think that's, that's important. You that's have a to big have a factor. Staff. Yep, it's a big factor. I mean, nope. f- Nobody's fact running a program is, by themselves. No when way. When BYU made those changes, they got better. Yep. It took a bit. But they got better because the guys who were on the staff got more experience and the guys that they brought in had more experience than their predecessors. And so, not surprisingly, they're a better program than they were. Bleed blue blood says 0% worry about Kalani leaving. With Big 12 money incoming, there's literally no reason to leave job security in the and a uh, fan and uh, and a fan bad a fan base probably an organization that loves you. Yeah, but it's the same organization that he has letters that and emails and all that stuff that was ripping him, and he took it personal. And you can't help. I'm a white dude, but you can't help thinking. Wait a second. You know, is am I this dumb you-know-what here? He did. That's the way he took it. Those are facts. You don't believe it? Then keep burying your head in the ground. It's up to you. You want to do it? Fine. But I got it. I know what I'm talking about here. And so that fan base, yeah, I mean, that's, that's face, BYU fan base is pretty much like any other fan base. It could be fickle. So, I mean, this, this, this marriage isn't necessarily eternal. We'll leave it right there. Thank you, PK. I hope it is, if that's what he wants. Uh, Aaron does say, I have a low level of concern. BYU will pay. He loves BYU. USC and Washington are both unstable, and it's hard to move a family with teenagers. It's not worth it when you're the king of the castle. Yeah, that's great logic.
Coming up next, your chance to win jazz tickets 10.30 and 11.30 with Jake and Ben. They are next right here on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone.